Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. This morning I'm going to be speaking on see beyond. Seeing beyond. Turn to someone next to you and say, can you see beyond? Can you? Can you see beyond? I got a key verse for us this morning and it is a classic vision verse. You might have heard it before if you've, um, if you've been around church. If not, well then welcome. Welcome to Lifehouse. Um, but it is, it's a classic verse and it comes from Proverbs 29 verse 18. And um, yeah, the one that people probably say most often is, uh, without vision, the people perish. So we're going to read it, though, in the Amplified Version, which is just behind me. It says, Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and His Word, the people are unrestrained. Other words, perish. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. I'm so glad that we are blessed with incredible pastors who have preached an amazing vision. Have we caught that? This year is a year of beyond. Are you ready for it? Are you excited for beyond? You know, we, we've caught this vision. We can, we can see beyond into the future for what God has for us as, as um, my, my beautiful, I probably shouldn't say beautiful boyfriend, my handsome boyfriend uh, was, was saying before, like the vision for Gifford Hill and the different church plants and the things that God's going to be doing through this church. You know, we can see it. We can, we can grasp it. And it's so important that we do because we don't want to be perishing, right? No, and I don't think Josh is going to let us perish on his watch, you know. We've, we've caught the vision as the church. But this morning, I want to ask you, what is the vision for your life? What is the vision for your every day? Do you see beyond? Have you caught what God has for you when you're rolling into work tomorrow morning on a Monday morning with a cup of coffee in your hand? Not me. I've, I've gone like two weeks, by the way, guys. Maybe three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's actually pretty cool. I still feel the effects, though. I still feel a bit, uh, but we're getting there. Tea just doesn't cut it for me. Oh, sorry, Anthony. <laughs> he loves tea. Who's a tea drinker? Yeah. I don't know if I can be. Coffee, yeah. Um, can you see the vision that God has for you as you're walking into work? Or maybe you're at school or at university. Do you see the vision that God has for you right there in that classroom, in that lecture hall? Like, do you understand when you're with your family, the vision that God has for you and your family and your relationship or future relationships? Do you catch the vision? So we're going to look this morning at a couple of guys that uh, get preached about quite a lot. They are, of course, Elijah and Elisha. Yeah, they're, they're good blokes. They're prophets from the Old Testament. And um, Elijah, he had some, some great moments. We read about them. You might have heard about them. There was a time when Elijah had this like mountaintop experience and he gathered uh, a lot of Israel who'd been worshipping Baal. And of course, yeah, all those Baal worshippers were there and they, they gathered together to see which God was the real God, the real God or Baal. And obviously, 
God won that one. There was bulls and there was fire and it was this like amazing uh, moment where just God showed up and it was phenomenal and it was a really high moment for Elijah. But then after that high moment, he had a really low moment and he kind of came to a crash and he was praying and he said, okay, God, uh, I, I need something from you. And so God gave him um, a succession plan. He gave him Elisha and he said, okay, I've ordained Elisha for you. I want you to go and, and get him. And so he, he gets him and they become best buddies. He teaches him everything that he knows. I don't know why his name was so similar to Elijah. Like Elisha, it gets a little bit confusing, but Elisha is the successor. He's the one who came after Elijah. And so they grow really, really close. They're really tight knit. But then, of course, there came for the moment, there came the moment that Elijah had to leave. He was called up to heaven. He didn't die, which is crazy. He actually, he was lifted up to the heavens. And as they were walking and Elisha was following along and they were talking, Elijah, he, he says to Elisha, where is it? It's in 2 Kings, verse 9. He says, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? And Elisha's like, well, gee, I don't know. Maybe, maybe can I just have a double portion of your spirit? So, double portion of your spirit. And Elijah's like, whoa, that's a, um, that's a difficult thing that you ask me. Yet, verse 10, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Interesting thing to say, right? He says, if you see me when I am taken from you, if you have the vision, if you can, if you can see beyond, then you know you got it. So this is what happens. It says in verse 11, As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Who wants to go like that? <laughs> Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. He saw him, all right. Hey, he saw the horses and the chariots. He saw the flames. He, he saw the armies of heaven. He saw Elijah being taken up. And I, I feel like in that moment, it was like right then and there, he had spiritual vision that was gifted to him. He had the ability to see. It was like unlocked. He, he's like, wow, my eyes are open and I can see. I'm not just seeing, you know, Elijah floating up up into heaven, I'm actually seeing the horses and chariots. I'm seeing the spiritual realities at work right now where I am. And so if we fast forward a little bit to 2 Kings chapter 6, there's an amazing thing that, that happens. The story goes that there was a king of Aram who had his armies constantly invading and attacking Israel. And um, the good thing is, is that Elisha, you know, he had the double portion. He could see, but he could also hear from God really well. And so he could hear everything that the king was saying. He knew all the plans of the king of Aram when he was going to attack. And so he would, he would call up the, the king of Israel and be like, okay, just letting you know, my king, um, Aram is coming in in this location. So get ready, be on guard. And it frustrated the king of Aram so much. He was fuming. He's like, why is this happening? Who's snitching? Who's leaking the information? Who's the mole? He was like, he's getting mad. And so he gathers some people around him and he says, who is it? Who's doing this? 
tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? And then they reply in verse 12, none of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. Wow, kind of weird, but I guess kind of cool, but also a little bit scary. And it was particularly scary for Gehazi, who was the servant of Elisha. And what the king of Aram did, he was so mad that he sent his army to go and to surround Elisha where he was staying. He had all his own horses and and horsemen and they were there. They were ready to tackle him down. And so Gehazi, I imagine, he wakes up in the morning, he does his little stretch and he opens the door and he's like, what is going on? He grabs Elisha and is like, can you see this? Look at all of them. There's so many. Elisha, we're about to die. But Elisha's like, come on, son. uh, Verse 16, he says, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked up and he could see what Elisha saw. He began to see beyond. He saw the horses and the chariots. He saw the armies of heaven and his knees stopped shaking right in that moment when his eyes were unlocked. And it's just amazing, right, that when Elijah was taken away from Elisha, the thing that Elisha saw was the horses and the chariots of Israel. And then when the king's army was invaded, what did he see? He saw the horses and the chariots of Israel. And I just wonder, it's just a thought. I wonder, maybe from the very time when his vision was unlocked, when Elijah left and he received the Spirit, the Spirit of God, double portion from Elijah, I wonder if that supernatural vision was unlocked at that moment and that he could always see the horses and chariots of Israel. I wonder if he could always see God's hand was resting on him. I wonder if he could always see with that supernatural vision, knowing wherever I go, God is around me. Wherever I go, God is protecting me. Wherever I go, so goes the armies of heaven. I wonder if that's what gave him so much resolve because he knew wherever he stood, so stood God. Wherever he went, so went God. I wonder if that's what it was that gave him that resolve to be bold, to to see miracles happen, to do amazing things for the name of God, to see people turn around and follow God because he knew that God was with him. Do you know that God is with you? Do you see beyond? Can you see when trouble comes knocking at your door? Can you see, yeah, trouble's there. Yeah, there's a bad doctor's report. Yeah, my kids are going crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with some, some insecurities and there's things going on in my mind that are weighing me down. Yeah, I just lost my job. Yes, there's trouble around me, but yes, so is God. God is also right here with me. Can you see beyond? Can you grasp the the vision that God has for your life? Because He's always with you. He is always with you. And it's amazing, right? Because, yeah, Elisha and Elijah, they had the Spirit of God. 
Elisha, he received the double portion of the Spirit of God. When, when Elijah was, was taken up to heaven, right, the Spirit came down. Honestly, I can't help but go to Acts. <laughs> because not only when Elijah was lifted to heaven did the Spirit come down, but when Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, arose to heaven, His Spirit came down. And we read about it in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Come on, somebody. Who loves Acts chapter 2? We are a Pentecostal church. We're part of the Christian Revival Crusade and we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I remember as I was growing up, I was very spooked by this. I thought that's really weird, you know, the speaking in tongues in a different language. And I was very spooked by it. But I realized that, yes, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. You know, it's It's natural but there's a bit of super in front of it. And it's actually the way that we're meant to be living our lives as, as Christians, as believers in God, as sons and daughters of the Almighty God. And if you call yourself a son or daughter of God, then this is what you should be eating up for breakfast. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit, living a spirit-filled life. And so we're going to read it. After Jesus arose into the heavens and He sent His Spirit down, it says, um, in, in chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they'd been waiting, they'd been expectant, they'd been leaning in. It says they were all together in one place. Right now, look around, we're all together in one place. It says, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, right? You're sitting right now too. Wow, this is so many similarities, Holly. Oh my gosh. It says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to reach, came to rest on each of them. All of them. How many people? How many people? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And people came around, they're like, what's going on here? It's a bit weird. They were causing such a ruckus that people literally came from all over the town. And they're like, what is going on? I can hear my language being spoken. There were people from all over the world there at that one time. And they, had, they all spoke different languages, but they could all hear God's name being praised in their own language. And they came, they're like, what's going on? Some people thought they were drunk. They're like, this is crazy. No one would be this bold and expressive unless they had some alcohol in their system. But this is what Peter says. He, he gets up filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. Gosh, it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is some good Bible right here. Verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Dreams, visions, prophetic words, all um, release.
released from the Holy Spirit. We're speaking on see beyond. What is it to, to prophesy? To prophesy is to hear a word from God, to see a vision and to understand something that, that um, awakens an understanding of what's going on right now, but also what's going to happen in the future. That's seeing beyond. That's getting a vision for the future. And let me tell you today that everyone has the ability to see beyond. Everyone has the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to stand not like Gehazi, but to stand like Elijah and to say, hey, I see what's going on, but I also see my God. I see the words that He has given me, that He's got plans to prosper me and not to harm me, plans to give me a hope and a future like it says in Jeremiah 29, 11. All people, your sons and your daughters, your, the young, your, your men and your women, the, the older, everyone, all people will be able to prophesy. This is not a gift. The Holy Spirit is not just a gift for a few. The Holy Spirit is a gift from our Heavenly Father for every single person, everyone, even people, right? This is crazy. Who don't know God right now? God wants them to find Him and release His Spirit. Does that excite anyone? I just want to pray real quickly. Father God, we thank you that you have given us your son. And we thank you as well that, that your son said, hey, it is better that I go so that I can send my spirit to you. And so right now we just acknowledge that this Holy Spirit is alive and moving right now in this room, moving and touching our hearts. And we ask by the name of Jesus, will you come right now? And will you blow like a mighty wind? Will you touch our hearts? Will you give us vision and sight and understanding, Lord, there's no way that I can go up to everyone and speak something, but God, you can, and I ask that you will right now. Where there needs to be comfort spoken, I ask that you'll speak comfort. Where there needs to be discernment right now, I ask that you'll speak discernment. Where there needs to be an understanding of, um, of, of revelation of what you're saying, I pray that you'll give revelation right now, Lord. Where there needs to be healing, I pray that you'll bring healing right now by and through your Holy Spirit. We, we thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, continue to move. In Jesus' mighty name. God is doing something great this morning. He really is. And we're going to go into a time of worship in, in a little bit. But I'm just praying throughout this whole time that God's just going to be speaking. He's going to be moving. He's going to be sharing some things with you. It's so good to have vision. It's important to have vision. Without vision, we perish. But there's also a little bit more than, than vision. I remember a time when I was with my family in Kankobin. It's this little mining town at the feet of the, the snowy mountains. Uh, we'd go there every single year, wouldn't we, Mum? <laughs> every single year. We, we loved it. And I love it. It's beautiful. It's like a little, it's like a little snippet of um, New Zealand, really, inside Australia. It's, it's lovely. And right at the, the um, yeah kind of close to where we were staying was Mount Kosciuszko, which is the tallest mountain, I believe, in Australia. And so we thought, why not? Let's climb it. I was six years old. <laughs> um, but my parents were like, yep, she's ready. Let's do it. Let's climb the mountain. And so I remember we, we got there. We went up the chairlift. Um, I, can't, I don't think we probably got more than a few metres, really. Um, no, nah, we walked a little bit. We, we came back down. And I remember we were standing in line ready for the chairlift to go back down. And if you've ever been on this chairlift, I'm sure that most of them work like this, but they don't stop. They don't wait for you. Even if you're struggling, like if you miss it, then 
you're probably going to roll down the cliff. Like that's, that's the nature of it. It just keeps going. And if you miss the thing, there's suddenly a drop off and there's just rocks and snow and trees and it's not awesome. Anyway, you got to be on the ball. You got to be, you got to be ready. Um, my family was on the ball. I, not so much. When we were standing in line and we we're waiting for the chairlift, I, I spied with my little eyed um, a pair of binoculars that was cemented into the ground. I'm like, ooh, binoculars. So I snuck out the line and I, um, I just started looking through. I'm like, this is amazing. I can see the birdies. I can see the lakes. I can see the little people the way down there. I can, I can see beyond, you could say. I saw beyond. But I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Because as I was busy seeing beyond, my family were busy jumping on the chairlift. And all of a sudden, I felt these hands grab me. <laughs> and the, the lady who was helping people on literally picked me up like a basketball, like <laughs> behind the shoulders and like threw me over the top of the chairlift to sit down on the seat. And I can still remember it so clearly because I was like, this is the end. This is it. <laughs> there is no more. But I landed. It was fine. But, man, it was scary. We were just about to go over that little cliff edge when I went plonk. And I landed there. I saw beyond. And that was good. It was great, actually. still remember those little birds flying around. <laughs> it was beautiful. But right then in that moment, I also needed to act, right? I also needed to do something about it. We're going to go back to Elisha. Oops, that's Nehemiah. That's for later. Um, going back to Elisha. Where is it? Yeah, chapter 6. So, right, we are there where the, the, the army was. Um, and God's army was also around. And Elisha had just prayed that Gehazi's eyes would be open. And his eyes are open. He can see both armies. His knees are not shaking anymore. He's fine. They're all good. But you know what's crazy? I'm just going to read it, actually. Okay, it says, verse 18, this is just after verse 17, where his servants, uh, Gehazi's eyes were opened and he could see the horses and the chariots. All good. Everyone's seeing beyond. They were all on the same page. Verse 18, it says, as the, enemies, as the enemy came down towards him. What? You'd think, right, if, if God's army was there, that they wouldn't begin walking towards him, right? You'd think that, well, maybe the army would just get out their pitchforks or whatever heaven's army does and just stop it right then and there. But no, it says, as the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. As Elisha had asked. And it's so funny that he said blindness, right? And maybe he knew the Proverbs 29 verse that without vision, the people perish because he had a vision, but they didn't. And so what he did is he led them astray. <laughs> he, he said, okay, come with me guys. You know, oh, this is not the right place. You're in the wrong place. Come with me. He leads them to a whole nother city, throws them a feast and then sends them on their way, and they never attack again. How cool is that? But it's not what you expect. It's not what you expected, but Elisha knew, okay, I've got vision. I've got the strength. 
I've got the Spirit of God. Now let's do something about it. And he asked God, who was on his side, and he said, God, will you strike them with blindness? And God acted on his behalf. There's a Bible verse in, in Matthew 7, verse 7, that says, Ask, and you will, will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. And I feel like God is saying to some of us here this morning, do you see it? Okay, great. Now ask for it. What is it that you want to do? Because I'm ready. I'm here. I'm with you. I love you. I'm for you. I gave my life up for you. You're covered by me. You're covered by my blood. What is it that you want? We're going to look at Nehemiah. And this is like the last chunk of Bible. It is a chunk though, but I feel like I need to read all of it. We're going to read it this morning, Nehemiah chapter 2. Um, it says, verse, verse 1, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was brought for him, I took the wine, this is Nehemiah speaking, this is like his journal. I took the wine and I gave it to the king, and I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look sad when you're not ill? He was very perceptive. He said, this can be nothing but sadness of heart. He says, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take? When will you get back? Because it pleased the king to send me. So I set a time. And I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I also have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me with safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he'll give me timber and make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and the residence I will occupy? And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. The king said to Nehemiah, what is it that you want? And I feel God is saying to you this morning, what is it you want? What is it that you want? Now, Nehemiah, take note. He didn't say, oh, yeah, things have been really hard. I would love a, a nice bubble bath. And, and I, would, I would like, a, um, like a, a new home just so I can have a bit more space just to relieve the stress that I'm feeling right now knowing what's going on. He didn't just say things that he wanted, right? No, it says, then I prayed to the God of heaven. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said, he asked, what is it that you want, God? Not what is it that I want. What is it that 
that you want. He began to see beyond. He began to grasp the vision that God had for his life. But then he began to list things. There's so many things that, that he listed. It was like, okay, for this to happen, I need this and this and this and this. And he was able to list it off. And it got me thinking, what if one day you rocked up at work and your boss said, okay, come into my office, sit down. Everything's up in the air. We need to make some serious changes. Things aren't going right. What is it that you want? What do you think that we should do? Would you be able, from the vision that you have received from God, from, from walking and, and being in touch with the Holy Spirit, would you be able to say, okay, this is what we need to do. We need to make this change, this cultural change. Maybe your family, you see the issues and things that are arising in your family. What if they came, every single one of them came and, and pulled up a chair beside you and sat down and said, we need some help. What do you want? What can we do? Would you have an answer for him? Maybe if the council came knocking on your door, all of the council of Murray Bridge and said, okay, what, what, what's some changes that we need to make? Would you be able to give them some changes? My prayer is that we will be in touch with the Holy Spirit, that we'll be able to see beyond, but that we'll also be able to go from seeing to saying, to be able to speak it out and prophesy and speak those words and then also go from having an awareness of the situation and the problems that are occurring to actually being able to ask and then to act and to act on those things and to walk like Elisha did with the confidence of God, knowing that the armies of God surround us, knowing that God's with us, knowing that God's on our side. And like Matthew 7 verse 7, being able to ask and receive, seek and find, knock and the doors will be open. My prayer is that the doors of Murray Bridge, the doors of your family to their hearts, that, that they will start to be open to God, ready to receive everything that He has for them. If I can grab the keys up, I want to go into a, a bit of prayer. Do you see beyond? Man, God loves you so much. Back to um, that key verse. Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and His Word, the people are unrestrained. The people cast off restraints. They, they perish. But blessed and happy is He who keeps the law of God. God wants us to walk in that blessing, in that happiness, and then in that joy, not wandering around blind, but having a vision, understanding where it is that He is taking us and what He has for us. And I want to end on this. If Jesus came up in flesh and just stood here, you know, He is here, obviously, by His Holy Spirit. But if you just pretend for a moment He was standing here. If we said to Him, like, what, what? The king said to Nehemiah, Jesus, what is it that you want? Do you know what he would say? He'd say, you. I want you. Hebrews, I keep saying last verse, but then I got some more. Hebrews 12, verse 2, says, fixing our eyes on Jesus having Him as our sight, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know that you were God's vision? 
Do you know that you were in His sight when He was up on the cross, when He was bleeding, when He'd been whipped, when He was getting crucified? What was He seeing? What caused Him to act in such a way? It was you. It was because He loved you so much that He wanted to be with you. He wanted you to live your life empowered by His Spirit, walking with confidence, hand in hand with your heavenly Father. He wanted that for you. He didn't want anyone to be blind. He wanted everyone to see, to see, to perceive, to understand and to act. So what we're going to do, if everyone can stand with me, We're going to pray through a few things. Love a bit of prayer. God is here right now, amen. He's with us. He's with you. He's for you. And I want to pray for anyone who, going back to the story of Elisha and Gehazi, I want to pray for anyone who's got some shaky knees. I want to pray right now for anyone who, sees the things that's going on, but you're struggling to see where God is in it. And I want to pray that God will just open your eyes, that you'll begin to see, and that the peace of God that surpasses understanding, goes beyond what we understand, what makes sense, that the peace of God will just rest on you as you see and know, wow, my God is with me. Many are those who are against me, but how many more are those who are for me? I want to pray that you begin to see the, the armies of heaven with you, surrounding you wherever you go. So with everyone closing their eyes around this place, if you're feeling a little bit like Gehazi and there's some, there's some troubles, there's some issues going on, can you just pop your hand up in the air? Because I want to pray that, that God will just open your eyes. Yes, yes. That's great. Yes. Anyone else? You need your eyes to be open. Yes. Yes. All right, we're going to pray for vision. We're going to pray that not just just your, your, your um, physical eyes will be able to see, but that like your spiritual eyes will kind of be open and that you understand what's really going on. All right, let's pray together. Father God, right now, you see everyone who's reaching out their hand and saying, yes, I need some spiritual vision. There's some hard things that are going on in my life and I need to know what you say. And I just pray right now, God, by your Holy Spirit, will you just open their eyes? Right now, Lord, as they think about that situation or those people who are hurting them or the, the, the sickness in their body, God, I just pray right now that you open their eyes and that they will see you, Lord Jesus, that they will see your face, that they will see that you surround them, that you care for them, that you love them, that you're with them and that you're never going to forsake them. Right now, in the name of Jesus, will you do that? Will you just open their eyes? Open their eyes. I pray for vision in Jesus' name for spiritual, supernatural vision right now. Open their eyes. Open their eyes. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel like God's saying as well, whether it's just in your heart or out loud, um, whether now or in worship, that God just wants you to start to say what you see. To say, okay, that's going on, but, but I, I see God. I see that He's with me. Can you picture Him? See, see where He is in those situations. What's He's doing? The other thing I want to pray for 
is for those who have not yet received the Holy Spirit, like I was talking about before, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, wow, I want that. I want the Spirit living, moving, working through me. I think I need a little bit of boldness like what Elisha had. I think I need to be able to, to go into my, my um, work and my family and business and be able to hold my head up knowing that God is with me. His Spirit's working through me. And so if anyone wants to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, will you just put your hand up? I'll pray for you from, from here. You might come around and worship as well, or you can go up the back after as well if you want to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. And it's a little bit different, right? Like I said, it's super natural. And as soon as you give your life to Jesus, you have the Spirit sitting inside of you. But when you are baptised in the Holy Spirit, it's like that, that Spirit becomes like this river, moving, flowing, speaking, fresh revelation, fresh words, like the light's kind of turned on in some senses. And so, yeah, if that's you, I already see some hands, but if there's anyone else who's, who wants to say, yeah, this morning I want to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, just pop your hand up. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, so good. All right, we're going to pray. Father God, I thank you that you are the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. And I ask, Lord, as, as it says in your word, that spirit gives birth to spirit. And I ask right now, Holy Spirit, will you fill up each of your children who's reaching out to you right now and wanting the Holy Spirit, wanting to have you alive and moving inside of them through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just pray right now that you'll come and that your hand will rest on them and that as I just maybe even just begin to speak and just out loud and say, thank you, Jesus, whatever it is that is coming to your mind, just begin to praise Him. Say hallelujah. Thank you, God. I just pray, Lord, as these people are reaching out to you, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that right now that your hand will touch them and that your spirit will begin to flow through them in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, God. Hey, right now, church, we're going to go into a time of worship, but I just want to pray one last thing, and that's over um, vision. <laughs> that's over that vision that I was talking about. And I'm, I'm just believing that God is just going to have, like, there's going to be so many light bulb moments right now. People are going to be like, oh, wow. Okay, that's why I'm in this job. Oh, wow, that's why I'm in this crazy family. We're just going to pray that right now. Father God, we thank you that you do give us vision. Like you said in your word, that, that you'll pour out your spirit on all people, your sons and your daughters, your, your men and your women. Everyone will be able to be filled with your spirit, to prophesy, to see dreams, to have visions. And I just pray right now in Jesus' mighty name that everyone's eyes will be open, mine included, everyone here, Lord Jesus, that you'll open our eyes and that we'll be able to see you, Lord Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and to be able to walk before you as you say, what is it that you want? And be able to say boldly, to ask boldly for the things that are in line with your heart, God. We don't want our vision, Lord Jesus. We want your vision. We want to see what you have for us, God. And so we desperately cry out before you this morning, God for you to birth your vision inside of us in a tangible way that we can see, that we can say, that we can ask, that we can act. We ask that in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.